I love it. Hey guys, how many of y'all have enjoyed journeying with Scott over the last few weeks on the video? Come on, our, our team killed it. I love it. Um, and here, here's the big idea in case you're just kind of jumping in with us. Every single one of us at some point in our life has been like Scott, where we have asked this really big question, why do I exist? Like, what am I here to do? Why, why do I wake up in the morning? Why do I, why do I put one foot in front of the other and, and move out into life? What is my purpose? And, and because the truth is our answer to that question really shapes and forms everything about our life. The direction we go, the decisions we make, what, what is our purpose? And here's the deal, especially in the church, we're really guilty of this fact that we know what God wants us to be free from but we don't really know what God wants us to be free for. We really don't have the answer to what is our purpose. And that's why over the last few weeks, we've really been centering around this big idea of purpose. So today on our last week of the series, if I was to ask you, what is your purpose? You would say, my purpose is to glorify God and to enjoy him. I'm only gonna have to say that 70 more weeks in a row. All right, no, no, no. This is the big idea. My purpose is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever, to know Jesus, to make him known and to enjoy the journey. I exist to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And we've tried to be really intentional to pull calling apart from purpose because those are two different things. Every single one of us has the same purpose, which is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. But our calling is our own unique, individual, specific way of using our gifts, our passion, our story to glorify God and enjoy him forever into the world, the spaces, the job, the career, and the different seasons of life that God has called us to. That is our calling. But even though our calling can change, our purpose always remains the same. Unemployed, employed, stay-at-home mom, entrepreneur, whatever it is. The, our purpose is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So we've talked about what our purpose is. And if you're wondering where that came from, go back and listen to the first week because then we jumped into how to escape, how, how to get victory over the sins and the competing paths that stand in our way. We talked about how to identify our calling through our gifts, our passion, our story. We talked about how to get unstuck when we're stuck in this journey of living out our calling. And today, as we close out this series, it is time to ready, set, go. It's time to move. So here, here, I need to tell you this, guys. We're not just gonna sit here and talk about living a life of purpose for the rest of our lives. At some point, we actually have to do it. It is time to go. And maybe this is a good principle for all of us in church world, right? Is that Christianity isn't about taking notes about how to live a born again life. Come on, somebody. At some point, you have to stop just being a hearer and you have to start being a doer because Jesus didn't come so we could take notes about how to live a born again life. No, Jesus died for the sins of the world, excruciating death, went to the cross, buried three days later, rose again, ascended into heaven and is coming back so his people could live life and life more abundantly. So we could live connected to the Father, full of purpose, love and joy and peace as we go into the world that he's called us to. Because I believe the cross has revolutionized our calling. And so today, if you'll allow me, I believe this, I believe that God today is almost like treating us like little baby birds. It's time to push you out of the nest. 
it's time to go. And it's time to actually begin launching into our calling, to, to start going actually into this true north purpose of God on our life. So how are we going to get there, okay? So, so far in this series, we've looked at Elijah. We have looked at Joseph. And today, we're, we are going to learn from Moses, from Moses, okay? So if you don't know the story, let me rewind all the way back. So the first time we meet Moses is in Exodus chapter two, all right? So this is kind of on the heels of Joseph, right? So Joseph coming out of the book of Genesis, Joseph saved the nation of Egypt. So Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world over the most powerful country in the world, promotes Joseph, brings his whole family into Egypt, and they start exploding and having a bunch of babies. And uh, just, just they have the best of the best of the best. And then scripture tells us that after a time, there arose a Pharaoh who knew Joseph not, who remembered Joseph not. And what he does, this guy looks around and he's like, why do all these Hebrew people have the best of everything? He's like, we're going to take all that back and they're going to be our slaves. And you fast forward 400 years of slavery later just absolutely destitute, no hope or anything like that, right? But the Hebrew people are still making babies. And so Pharaoh's like, all right, we got to curb this population. So he gives this order that they're going to start killing all the, all the baby boys who are born, but the Hebrew midwives refuse to do it. And for just a second, can we equate a parallel here? And can we give thanks to God for those in the medical field who refuse to see abortion as health care? Because one of the babies that the midwives refused to kill was the deliverer of the nation, Moses. Come on, how many deliverers have been killed in the womb? How many, how many, how many pastors, how many husbands, how many wives, how many friends, how many sons, how many daughters, right? But Moses is born, and so his mom knows, well, I can't have a baby boy. And so she devises this plant, and she goes out to the river, makes a little basket, and floats Moses down the basket to Pharaoh's daughter, who's in the water down the stream. She finds little baby Moses and adopts him into her family. So Moses, as a Hebrew boy, grows up in Pharaoh's house with secret DNA. So he's educated. He's privileged, he's connected, and the trajectory of his life is comfort in the palace for the rest of his days. Come on, somebody, you got it good. You got it good, you know what I'm saying? But one day, Moses, as he grows up, he sees an Egyptian, and the Egyptian soldier is beating one of his secret Hebrew family. He's beating one of the slaves, and this flood of emotion comes over Moses, this thing maybe even comes out of nowhere, or maybe it's been building for a little while. This thing that says, I cannot allow the comfort in my life to cause me to ignore the pain in somebody else's life. So I got to do something about it. And so this rage comes out of Moses and he strikes the soldier and kills this Egyptian. And I don't know about you, have you ever done something and immediately you're like, oh, no, no, I didn't think that all the way through. Like, I, I did not think cause and effect. And he's like, I just murdered a dude. And so he freaks out and he runs away. But here's the reality. Can we just see beneath the surface just for a second? Even before Moses knew God, God had put this, this passion to deliver people on the inside of Moses. But, but, but note, Moses' passion had not yet been purified. And so he ends up hurting people with his passion. 
But even before he knows God, that passion is there. He just doesn't know what to do with it yet. So he runs away. And we find Moses, secret Hebrew blood in his veins, raised in the most powerful house on earth, privileged, educated, connected, now disconnected, hiding out in the desert. And the trajectory of his life had been comfort, but there came a point in his life where his comfort couldn't ignore the discomfort in other people's lives. And so he stepped out of his comfort zone. Here's the question for us, guys. What happens? Can we actually arrive at this place in life where we are willing to step out of our comfort zone to engage the pain of the world and disrupt the status quo? And what happens is Moses does that. And so what happens is you fast forward a few decades later and Moses is just out in the wilderness. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's a shepherd to some sheep. He's just, he's just like, I, don't, I grew up in that place. I'm here I am today. I don't know where I'm going with my life until one day out in the middle of the desert, he sees a bush on fire. But this bush isn't like any other bush. And it's in Exodus 3, verse 2. The angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. How long do you have to look at a bush to realize it's not burning up? Right? So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight. Why the bush is not burned up. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and he said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And then God said, do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And guys, if we can just kind of bring it into our world, I believe this. I believe that many of us are praying, God, show me my calling. God, show me which way I'm supposed to move forward. God, show me the direction. God, show up in power. God, speak to me. And I'm convinced of this. We are standing on holy ground all the time. I believe that there are burning bushes on our left and on our right, but because we're moving so fast, we're running and gunning. We refuse to slow down. We don't turn aside to look. So we miss God. Guys, I believe that God is speaking way more than we're listening. I believe we're saying, God, show up. And there's a burning bush. We're like, oh, I gotta go to work. <laughs> there's another burning bush. Oh, now I gotta binge Netflix. Got the show. I gotta catch up on my, my, my faves, you know? It's, it's, it's number one in the country today, God. You would understand. You would understand if I don't. And so we never turn aside to look. And so we miss God. And so we just keep going through this. I don't know. I, let, can we just ponder for a second? Was that the, the first time that there had ever been a burning bush for Moses? Could it have been the 30th? Could there have been one the first year? But Moses had to be out there for 40 years before he finally slowed down. But when God sees that Moses is paying attention, he speaks. Verse nine. Now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Can we pause on that really quick? Can we just thank God for a second that he hears the cries of his people? Can we, hear, can we thank God for a second that he's not blind to the needs of his people or deaf to the cries of his people? God hears that our prayers don't evaporate, that they accumulate, come on, in the throne of God. And there comes a place where our prayers are filling up the bowls in heaven to the point where God has to pour the answer back down on earth. And so he calls Moses, therefore, Moses, come now. I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. So this is it. 
This is the moment every single one of us prays for. There is no confusing. Moses knows exactly what he's supposed to do. What is Moses supposed to do? Let my people go. <laughs> like he knows. Like this is, come on. We, we, we've all prayed as we're eating our Cheerios. God, spell something. That and all it says is, ooh, you know, like. And we're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Moses knows. God spoke out of a bush. Who, who's speaking to me? I am that I am. Yahweh, the great self-existent God is speaking to you, Moses. And Moses, I've just told you what you're supposed to do. Go back. This is what God tells Moses. Go back to the place you came and set your people free. Because here's the clue. They're my people too. So Moses just heard as clear as day. Now here's the question. Here's the question. Here's the question. How does Moses respond to this clear call of God on his life. Exodus 3, verse 11, but Moses said to God, but who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? Chapter four, verse one. Well, what if they won't, won't believe me or listen to what I say? And then verse, verse 10, but please, Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither recently nor in times past, nor since you've spoken to your servant like five minutes ago. I'm still not a very good speaker, for I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. Moses immediately begins making excuses for why he can't do what God has called him to do. Come on, God, God, you've got the wrong man. Mind like, like, God, I know you don't know me very well. I know myself very well. And I cannot do what you are calling me to do. And I know that we don't know anything about that, right? Come on, we love reminding God why we are incapable to do what he says that we can do. You know, in our story, the thing that really started our, our journey in a strong way was when, when the small group leaders asked us to help to lead the small group, I still remember looking around like, come on. Like, we've been married for like six months. Like, there are surely more qualified people in this church than we are. Like, I know you don't know us very well. Let me just help you out. No. Right? No. You're, you're making a big mistake here, right? And here, here's, here's Moses' story. Moses stuttered. So he's like, God, God I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if you heard, like, like knew this about me, but I'm a, not, 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 not a very, good, very good speaker. And you're like sending me and speak to Pharaoh? You know what I'm saying. And how many times have you reminded God that you're not a very good author, that you're not a very good artist? that you don't have as much money as that other guy. Come on, that you don't have the skill set of that other person. And you're just saying, God, let me save you some time. Let me save you some disappointment. I'm not qualified to do what you're calling me to do. But Exodus 4.2, the Lord presses through it, and here's what he says. Moses, what's that in your hand? And he said, a staff, some shepherd's staff. And it's here that we really learn the first thing about launching into our calling. Here's the first thing to launch into our calling is we have to embrace my gift. Okay, here's how you say this. It's not embrace my gift. It's embrace my gift. So here's the thought, guys. We know Moses as the great deliverer. 
right? We know Moses is the guy who like split the Red Sea, like, come on, water from rocks, manna in the desert, the plagues coming down. But this same guy was completely overwhelmed with insecurity. So God asked him, hey, Moses, what's in your hand? And I believe today, guys, that God is asking us the exact same question. God is asking you, what have I already given you? Don't be insecure about what you don't have. Be secure in what you do have because you already have what you need to get going. And guys, here is, it's here where we're reminded of this amazing quote, right? That God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called, right? So God is saying, listen, I already gave you what you need to get going. Don't worry, worry about whether or not you're qualified. I will qualify you along the way. Yes, you have some gifts, and yes, they need to grow, and they need to get better, but listen, trust me with that on the journey. You have what you need to start today, and if you're called, I will qualify you. If God has called you to do it, he will make a way for you to do it. You don't need to remind him of why you can't do it. He knew how weak and pathetic you were when he called you. You don't need to remind him of that. Oh God, here's my resume. You notice it doesn't have what you're... He's like, what do you... You think I don't know that? And what we have to do, we have to stop comparing our gifts to other people's gifts. Why? Because comparison will kill our calling. Compar- we'll disqualify ourselves before we even start. I can't speak as good as that person, right? I don't have as much money as that person, right? I don't have the, the resumes of that person, God. I can't, I can't do it as well. I can't speak as well as that person, God. How dumb would it be if I stood up here today and was like, guys, I'm gonna turn in my resignation um, because I can't sing as well as Crystal Nicole can. You'd be like, what does that have to do with anything? Like, you do you, bro. Like, you do. Because here's the reality, guys. I look at Crystal and Nicole, uh, worship pastors, and all of our worship pastors, really, and I'm like, I could never sing like that. Right? Like, I mean, come on. Like, between me and you, like, I can kill it in the shower. You know what I'm saying? Like, pump up the jam, pump it up. Your feet are stomping. I don't want Like, like, you know, I mean, there, but to grab a microphone and to go full throttle in front of thousands of people and lead them into the presence, like I could lead them somewhere, <laughs> but not into the presence of the Lord, right? And if I was to step back and say, I can never do what she does, you know what? I would be right because that's her gift. Amen. And the problem is some of you in your own calling, you look at somebody like me on a microphone, uh, with a microphone on the platform, and you say like, man, I don't know if I could ever put a sermon like that together. I don't know if I could ever lead people or pastor a church or something like that. Here's the reality. You might be right because those are my gifts. And the problem is we want other people's gifts. But what would happen if we simply embraced the gifts that God gave us and used them for the glory of God and for our joy in the process? Because comparison will demotivate us Like 1 Corinthians 12, Paul talks about that. Like, why would it make any sense for the ear to be like, hey, I'm not a kidney, so I'm not even gonna show up today. No, like we all do our different parts, right? What if we realize this, Ephesians 2.10, we are God's masterpiece 
He has made us new in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I know many of you don't think of yourself like this, but you are God's masterpiece. You are the canvas. He's the Picasso. He's creating you. Listen, you are the Imago Dei. You are made in the image of God. God made you like you are for a reason. God put the gifts inside you and formed those passions and created that story to put you in exactly the place that you need to be in. God gave you the personality that you have. I know you're a little spicy sometimes. That's okay. Just let God redeem it a little, just a little bit, just a little bit. But God put that little mmm in there. Because to do what you need to do, you're going to have to have a little mmm to get in there. You know what I'm saying? So lean it. What are your gifts? If you're going to launch into the calling that God has on your life, you're going to have to embrace your gifts. And in the middle of, God, of Moses making all these excuses to God, God actually gives us the second thing that we need to launch into our calling. Verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? And God said, certainly I will be with you. So here's the deal. How are we gonna launch into our calling? First thing is this, I have to embrace my gifts. The second thing is this, I have to embrace my God. I have to embrace my God. Come on, read between the lines. Read between the lines what's going on right here. God looks at Moses and he says this. Moses, you have all the qualifications in the world. Come on, think about Moses' life. Secret Hebrew DNA. He knows the people. He knows the place. He, he knows the language. He knows the culture, right? It totally makes sense why God is sending him back in. But God doesn't say, Moses, you're gonna have success because of your gifts. God says, I know your qualifications. I know your story. I know your passions. But none of those things are ultimately the reason why you're going to have success. You're going to have success because certainly I will be with you. I will be with you. And guys, think about this. The, the whole span of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, nobody ever had victory because of how smart they were, because of how gifted they were. They had victory because God was with them. Guys, I, I hate to break it to you. There's somebody more gifted than you are. Somebody more passionate than you are. Somebody has a better resume than you do. But here's the difference maker. You belong in the family of God. So they don't have God with them, but you do. And if God is with you and God is for you, who can ever be against you? And you will not have, I thank God for your gifts, thank God for your strengths, thank God for your qualifications, thank God for your resume. But God uses all those things to maybe get you in the room. But the reason why you're gonna have victory is because God is with you. Whatever you do, you will have victory because God is with you. So here's the idea, guys. When you start the business, you're not starting it alone. Come on. Your, your, be your best asset is that your business partner is the one that the cattle on a thousand hills belong to, and his name is Jehovah Jireh. And he has all wisdom and all knowledge. Listen, you're not a single mom by yourself because your husband is the Lord, and he's a father to the fatherless. You may be in government, but you're not in government by yourself because your partner sits on the throne that is above every throne, and he is the king above every kingdom. Come on, you may be a lawyer, but you're not defending the innocent by yourself. Why? Because your partner is the one who is actually the defender of the innocent. You're doing it with God. 
And guys, one of the loneliest places, maybe you've been there before, I have too. One of the loneliest places on earth is when, you're, when you feel like you're doing things for God instead of with God. And what happens is when you're doing things for God, you feel like a martyr, you feel like Elijah, you're like, I'm the only one left, right? Oh, woe is me. And I'm gonna do this thing even if it kills me, right? And I felt like I got this in prayer this week, that God isn't looking for martyrs, God is looking for partners. Guys, we aren't on our own. What we're doing is we're locking arms with the spirit of God to fulfill the mission of God. And you'll never be alone. You'll never be by yourself. There's no greater sensation than to feel the wind of the spirit of God in your sails. Of knowing like, I'm not here by myself. Like I'm not in school by myself. I'm not in the situation by myself. I may be the only believer in my office, but I'm not by myself. I may be starting out here to launch this business or to write this book, but I'm not by myself. I'm with God. Listen, I can only do what I do up here because God's with me. I can only lead this church because God's with me. I can only lead my family. Why? Because God's with me, right? And here's the reality. God doesn't look at you and he's like, well, sorry, that promise is only for pastors. Um, Sorry, you're on your own um, because what you do is secular, There is no sacred secular divide. God goes with his people wherever they go. So wherever you are, God is with you. You're never alone. Listen, remember this. After Moses, Joshua rises up. And what's the conversation between God and Joshua? He says, Joshua, I know you're freaking out right now. These are some pretty big shoes for you to step into. But the same way I was with Moses... I will be with you. And that leads into one of our most favorite verses in the entire Bible. Some of us, it's our life verse, Joshua 1, 9, where God says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Why? 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 For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. On the good days, you know it. And on the bad days, you claim it. (laughs) Come on, sometimes you gotta claim it and be like, all right, I know I'm in the pit right now. I know I'm in the prison right now. I know I just got fired right now. I know my wife just left me right now. Come on, I know the the balance sheet. I know IRS. But I will not have victory. I will not have success because of my gifts, my qualifications, my passions. All those things are great. All those things are part of the process. But ultimately, I will have victory because certainly my God is with me. And guys, we don't need confidence in that. Listen, we need courage in that. That's what God tells Joshua. He says, be strong and courageous. He doesn't say be strong and confident because confidence comes later. Confidence comes after you've done it for a while. But listen, there are rooms that I walk into that I have no confidence for. Sometimes I get up on this platform, I have no confidence in myself and my own strengths, my own abilities. But what I do have is courage that I can go if God has called me to go and he will be with me and he'll give me victory. But I have to know God has called me. Listen, listen, I have courage if he's called me. Listen, if he's called me to get out of the boat, I don't have any confidence in that. Come on, somebody. Be like, I have confidence I can walk on water. I don't have no confidence I can walk on water. But I'm looking at God like, all right, did you? Did you call me? Did you call call me? Because if you did, 
I don't have any confidence in my own ability to walk on water. But if you called me, I have courage that I can do whatever God's called me to do. Because certainly you will be with me. With me. With me, with me, with me, with me. So if you know the Cliff Notes version, right? It moves forward. And uh, God, uh, uh, Moses goes back to Pharaoh with God. God shows up in power. Miracles break out. The plagues come, all that sort of stuff. Finally, the Pharaoh's heart opens up and he lets the people go, right? And they're free for about five minutes and they go out and then, and then Pharaoh's heart hardens again. Is like, all right, we're gonna go kill these suckers, all right? So the whole army starts pursuing the most powerful army. Okay, just imagine this. Imagine victory says, hey, we're gonna go out and then the US government sends in the tanks. This is the equivalent. This is the equivalent of this, okay? And so what happens is all the Hebrew people find themselves between a rock and a hard place, all right? They got the mountains right here, they got the Red Sea right here and they got Pharaoh's chariots pressing down right here right? And then what happens is Moses has this amazing leadership moment. Here it is, Exodus 14, verse 13. 14, 13. Moses answers, so they're all freaking out, right? So Moses answers the people, guys, don't be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Pause, pause, pause. Oh, we love that, don't we? We love that. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be, listen, I've been in people's kitchens. They got that up above their sink. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Oh, it's a memory verse. It's your life verse. Some of you guys, I love it. Here's the only problem with it. Moses was wrong. So here's the next verse. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. And then I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. So here it is, here it is. Here's where we learn the third lesson of launching into your calling. I have to embrace my gift. I have to embrace my God. Third thing is I have to embrace my go. It's time to go. Here's what happens in this story. Here's what happens in this story, okay? Moses is like, hey guys, 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 let's just... Let's have a prayer moment. In fact, can somebody play the harp? Let's have a harp moment right here in the moment. Guys, just trust the Lord. All you gotta do is sit still. God's gonna do the rest. And then God's like, Moses, you idiot. If you sit still waiting for me to do it all, you about to die. Moses, you gotta go. You gotta get moving. And then as you move, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians. I will give you victory, but you have to move first. Moses, you have to do what only you can do. And then I will do what only I can do. And I believe this. I believe this to my bones. Listen, I believe that the number one reason why most people never step into their calling is because they sit on the sidelines waiting for God to do it all. But God is saying, if you take the first step, then I'll guide you. It's time to go though. Most people are waiting when God is saying, it's time to start walking. We're saying, I'm waiting. God's saying, hey, start walking. And we're in a stalemate. He's like, I'm waiting on you. And you're like, I'm waiting on him. <laughs> I just, we just do this for another decade or two, you know? Psalm 37, 23, the Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. 
Here's the problem, guys. A lot of people are asking God to direct their steps, but they're not taking any steps. God, make my steps firm while I sit here. That doesn't even make sense. You have to be taking steps and then God can steer and direct and make firm your steps as you go. Here's what this means. You won't discover your calling doing nothing. So here's the best advice. I'm about to blow your minds. I've given this advice to a few of you before. I'm gonna, I'm, just pull your phone out. Get ready for this. I'm about to blow your mind. The best advice I could ever give you on how to launch into your calling. Here it is. You're, you're, are you ready? Okay. Just, you need to write it down. I'm just done. The best advice I could ever give you to launch into your calling is this. I know it's profound, guys. Just do something. The most powerful thing you can do to begin walking in your calling is begin walking in your calling. Not sitting around, wait, like, oh God, I'm just, I'm waiting for God to put me through college and get the, the grades for me and study for me. And I'm really, what I'm, my dream is that a Forbes 500 company will call me and be like, hey, I see that you're just sitting around watching soap operas all day. And we would love for you to come and lead our organization. He can't make firm our steps if we don't take steps, guys. And so here's the deal. If you've ever grabbed me in the lobby, if you've ever asked me a question before about purpose, about calling, about gifts, here is my advice to you. This is, this is one of the life principles of my life is that you cannot steer a parked car. You can't steer a parked car. A car has to be moving, even inch by inch. A car has to be moving for it to go anywhere and be steered anywhere. In other words, you have to move. You have to move. And as you move, God will steer you. Here's how I think about it. We press down on the gas pedal, and God has the steering wheel. Jesus, take the wheel. You know what I'm saying? So we have to be moving, and then we allow God to steer us. Now, there's a question. How does God steer us? God steers us, I believe, through two things, through our passions and through open doors, through our passions and through open doors. So what happens, right, is that, that God says to Moses, lift your staff, which is pretty awesome, right? Because God had asked him that question years before. Mo Moses, what's in your hand? What's the gift that I've already given you? So when Moses uses his gift with God, something pretty supernatural happens, Right? And when that happens, what happens? God opens a door. Right? Now, here's the deal, guys. When God opens a door, you're going to know it. You're going to know it. Right? Like when, when he stretches his hand out and the Red Sea goes, and all the Pharaoh's armies coming down, he's not like, all right, now, guys, I know, I know that looks good, but we need to pray about it. All right? So we're going to have a 21 day fast. We're just gonna pray about this. No, Moses, go! Open up the door, you gotta go, you gotta go. God opens up a door and he leads you through that open door. Listen, some of you, you've had the open door before in your career and relationships and schooling or whatever it is, it's sovereign. But the only way that that happened is as you were praying into it, leaning into it, walking into it, and then God creates this opportunity and you walk through it, right? I believe this, you don't have to use a crowbar on doors, on doors that God is opening. Because he can open up doors that no man can open. He's going to shut doors that no man can close. Right? God, God's going to create those opportunities. And that's one of the ways he steers you is through open doors. The other ways that God steers you is through your passions. So this goes back to that question we've been asking throughout this series, right? What are you good at? 
What do you love doing? What is, when you're doing it, you lose track of time? And here's, here's another question. What do you think that maybe God is calling you into? And how can I start inching in that direction today? So I'm having this conversation with my son, Jeremiah, right now. He knows this. Um, as we probably had about 12 times, he just shakes his head every time now. Um, because he thinks he might want to go to school to get a psychology degree, okay? Which is awesome. It's great, okay? If God's called him to do that, let's do it. Twice on Sundays, resource it. Let's go for it, right? So, but here's what I told him. I said, hey, if you feel like God might be calling you into that, what's something you can do today to see if maybe there's something valid in that? So I said this. I said, hey, how about in youth, you start leading a small group? Just do something in the area of your gift, in the area of passion to see if God might steer it, right? Because here's what I know. If you don't like leading a small group, you're gonna hate being a counselor. <laughs> so in what I've told him, I said, I, and here's the, here's the gift I just gave you. I just saved you four years of college <laughs> to get a degree and debt Come on, somebody. <laughs> Nothing worse than to get a degree and $200,000 in debt. You hoping somebody else pays off <laughs> to step into a world that you don't even like and you know you're not called to it, but because you never took steps in that direction, you just cannonballed in, right? You didn't even know if you were called to it. What can we do today to allow God to steer us, because here's the deal. I could start doing that. He may get into small group and love it. If so, bless God, press down on the gas pedal. Allow God to steer you even more into it. But if not, if you find your heart's not there and your passion's not there, bless God. You just found another way not to make a light bulb, right? It's not a failure, it's a success because you, you save from pouring your life into something you're not called to do and you allow God to steer you through your passions away from that area that you thought you would love, but you didn't because you found ways to put one foot in front of the other and you found that the Lord began making your steps firm in a different direction. And this is one of the reasons, listen, this is one of the reasons why I am the biggest believer in serving in the local church. I am, the, listen, my gifts came alive here. Countless others came alive here. I'm not talking about ending up on staff. What I'm talking about is, I was thinking about it this week, is that First Peter 4.10, right? Use whatever gifts you have to serve one another. So here's what it does. It gives us a safe place to experiment with our gifts, right? Where, where, you, it's, where there's not a whole lot of, you didn't put four years into a degree or something like that. No, I can start put stepping into this area and see if there's something there. What it does along the way is it begins having the benefit of freeing my heart from some selfishness, right? Because I'm using my gifts to serve. And here's, here's the problem. I listen. I have a problem showing up to the cookout that everybody else is cooking for every week. And what it does is when I serve, I'm now part of the family because a family serves each other. And at the same time, our life is moving forward so God can start steering us through our passions as we experiment with some of the things that we might call, be called to do. So let me say it like this, listen. If, if you think, well, one day I'm gonna be a parent, or um, I, I'm gonna be a teacher, or I, I'm gonna start a daycare, right? Why are you not serving in children's ministry today? Because you can see like, is there something really in me for that, right? If, if you feel like God's maybe calling you into hospitality, why aren't you serving on the events team or the greeters team or the cafe today, 
right? To see if there's something in you for that. If you feel like God's calling you into tech, we have production, we have IT, we have a lot. I mean, you get the idea, right? Like, is there, can, is there something I can do today to begin discovering, is that real on the inside of me or is that just an idea that I have? And as I go, God will steer me. Listen, here's what's gonna happen. Some of you are gonna get in ushers and you're gonna be like, nope. Some of you are gonna be like, that's awesome. I wanna be here forever. But here's the problem. In church world, you, we don't know how to get out of serving places. So some of you are like, man, I left my last church because I, uh, I was like, that's the only way to get out of children's ministry. I just have to leave the church. You're like, <laughs> so I don't know. I can't tell them no. Like, they really need me. So I just, that's how I'm here. It's my fourth church this year. Like, I just, just. And here, here, but here's what's beautiful, guys. If God's steering you and you learn, hey, it's not this, it could be that, that's beautiful. We release you to go step into this other thing because you don't belong to us. I'm not your God, right? What we wanna do is help to emancipate the greatness that God put on the inside of you. So if I'm over here and I love it, okay, let's help you press the gas pedal even more, right? If you're over here and you don't love it, let's, pr- let's tap the brake, right? And let's allow God to steer us maybe through our passions to something else. And now that we're entering into the season where a few weeks ago we cracked the door in house churches, I believe that God's calling you to some, some of you. I believe that there's more on the inside of you to step into this. Listen, I believe some of you have been leading for a while. You, you've got pastoral giftings inside your heart. You've got an evangelistic edge, right? And, and, and here, here's the question, right? Like, what would it look like for you to plant the gospel in your neighborhood? What would it look like, especially online, but here locally as well, what would it look like for you to be a neighborhood pastor? You're the go-to. You own the spiritual condition of your neighborhood, right? Like, what, what would it look like for you to be the go-to when marriages break in your friendship circles. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the fact that you were made for more. Don't just sit back and don't hide that in the desert like Moses. No, when the call of God comes, lean into it, press into it, start putting one foot in front of the other and see what God does with it as he steers it. But listen, it's time to go. It's time to take a step. And here's the reality. Here's what I keep sensing, okay? Here's what I keep feeling, all right? I keep sensing, seeing this this track and field, right? And we're all out there. We're at the starting blocks, right? We're like, ready? Now, now really, guys, are you, are you ready? Set, okay, okay, three, two and a half, one and three quarters. And you're like, oh, no, no, I gotta pray about it a little bit more. I gotta pray, gotta pray about it a little bit more. Guys, guys, here's the problem. Some of us have been praying about it since Clinton was in office, all right? (laughs) Respectfully hear me say this. For some of us, it's time to stop praying about it and it's time to start doing it. It's time to stop praying about it and it's time to start doing it. Because one of the worst feelings, guys, I've talked to these people, is you get to the end and all you have is what if. Wow, man, I think about those decisions and that, and I should have done this, and I felt like, but I chose comfort or whatever it is. So today is the day to start moving. Today is the day to do something. And again, we're all in different places, right? We're all in different places of our journey. But here's what I'd say, guys. Today is the day you need to pick the paintbrush back up. Today is the day you need to go home and, and create the word file for the first chapter of your book. Today's the day you need to find out how to start a 501c3. What does it look like to take a class to start a nonprofit? Today you need to start that class about how to start a business. 
Today, you need to actually go to the website and submit, a, submit a, 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 an application to go to that school. Why? Guys, because we gotta emancipate greatness. Guys, we, listen, your talent is God's gift to you. What you do with it is your gift back to him. And it's time to start letting that out for the glory of God and for our joy in the, in the, in the meantime. But it starts with taking the first step. And here's what I'd say, guys. A lot of our team, I've been asking our team this, from one step in conversations with you guys, and here's what they've been saying. They've been saying a lot, throughout this series, a lot of victory has been learning their step, but they have not been taking their step. And guys, today is the day to stop being hearers and to start being doers. So what we're gonna do here in just the, in just the next few minutes is we're gonna create some space to be able to take that one step as we launch into the, into the calling, right? To embrace our gifts, to embrace our God, and to embrace the fact that today is the time to go. But as we do this, let's go ahead and bow our heads and let's pray. Yes. Father, right now, I feel, the, I feel the momentum. I feel the movement of the Spirit of God kind of pushing us. And, and, and I, I pray, God, that we would go with that pushing that movement, that, uh, that pushing us outside of our comfort zone. God, for many of us, it's too easy just to sit back in this place. And the, one, of, one of our greatest enemies, I'd even say it like that, in, in our ultimate idea of our calling is a paycheck. And so, God, God, I pray that you would begin shaking us out of complacency. God, that you would begin shaking us out of our comfort zone. And God, we would really, like Moses, God, in this moment, we would turn aside to look. That we would pause our life, and that we would ask this question that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying is what are you calling us to do as our next step? I'm not even saying ultimately, I'm not saying in five years or 10 years or 20 years from now, I'm talking about inch by inch by inch. And on that journey, you will make firm the steps of the ones who trust in you. We trust that. We trust that, God. But what it requires is movement on our part. And so, Father, over these next few minutes, God, we're gonna, I believe that you're gonna start moving some of us out of stagnancy and complacency, but it begins in this place right here with the fact that we'll never step into our calling and for, unless first we step into the family of God. Because here's the reality, that many of us, what's keeping us from, from running in purpose is rebellion. It's sin, it's shame, it's guilt, it's the lack of the fact that you're not with those in rebellion outside the family of God. So, but right now, the good news is the door's open and the invitation is here. And so here's the deal, guys, for all of us, before we even take a step further, the invitation is here today to say yes to Jesus, to lay down our kingdom, our little kingdom, and to say yes and pour our life into faith in Jesus Christ, to be born again, to be made new, sins forgiven, a place in the family. And if today, maybe your step, your first step is to say yes to Jesus. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm just gonna invite you right now. If you, today's the day to say yes to Jesus, I just wanna ask you to lift up your hand here inside the room online. It's a lot of us. Yeah, come on, just lift it up really high. This is the biggest decision of your life, saying yes. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of spinning my wheels. I'm tired of just sitting in the starting blocks and not actually going. Today's the day I bow my life to Jesus. 
It's good. You can put your hands down. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray this together. And I invite you, it's not lip service. This This is an overflow of the heart. So let's pray like this as one big family. Let's pray, say, Jesus, you are the son of God who died for my sin. You took the punishment that was due me upon yourself. So right now, I repent of my sin, my kingdom, my little dreams. I leave them behind and I turn to you and I put my faith in Jesus. Today, I am forgiven and I am free and I'm a child of God, all because of Jesus. And you have the rest of my life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's lift up our hands to the Lord right now. This is, this is surrender. This is saying, God, I'm not holding anything back. God, I'm not, I'm not hiding behind shame. I'm not hiding behind complacency. I'm not hiding behind comfort. God, let your kingdom come in my life. Let your will be done today here on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. You can put your hands down. All right, here's what we're gonna do. Here's what we're gonna do. I would like to say you can clap, but you might not wanna clap. So I'm gonna give you another step. Here's what we're gonna do. Is the band's about to play. We're just gonna create a moment of worship right here. We're gonna pause right here, okay? I'm gonna give two sets of directions. Some of you know that you're in your calling. Some of you know, man, I'm running. I'm in a good place. It's awesome. I'm gonna invite you in just a second to stand your feet and to worship with us. But there's a lot of us who've been learning about your step but have not been taking your step. And so I'm gonna give you this time in your seats while some other people are standing up, you're gonna sit down, okay? And you're gonna pray into, God, what's that one step? And if you already know it, take it, take it. So here's one of the clearest steps you could take. Can we put this, this link up here, okay? Is this one step. So some of you, your step is serving here inside the church, a safe place to experiment with your gifts, right? Others of you, you're like, what can, can I learn some more information about house churches? What would it look like to plant the gospel in my own neighborhood or my apartment complex, right? Um, others of you, your first step is to learn more about being a disciple of Jesus or being baptized, whatever that is. There's a whole lot of first steps on that page right there. Do not leave this building. Do not leave your room or wherever you're at online without taking that step. Okay, so we're gonna create space right here, all right? So here's the deal. If you're already in a place where you're running and you're calling, you feel solid, you feel good about where you're at, I'm gonna go ahead and invite you to stand up, but do not follow the crowd. There's a lot of you who need to stay in your seats. Pull your phone out, go to that link right there and begin taking your next step. Do not leave this space without taking that one step with God, all right? Everybody else, let's worship.